love the Lord tonight? So good to see you in the house of the Lord, and I'm just honored to, to stand here. We love you, and I just know that this night has some incredible things that's laying in front of us. <clears throat> so good to see Brother Menno Friesen. Amen. Hallelujah. A lot of words could be said right there, Brother Menno. We love you with all of our hearts. And I was a much younger man when you came to Christiansburg and sang with the believers. And, and uh, I was that boy drummer. And uh, yeah, I, I certainly love you. It was an honor the other day to have Brother Logan in the meetings in Edmonton. And we had a very, Brother Bisco, we had a very very wonderful moment at the end of the service. The power of the glory of the Lord, it just came in a special way. And it was just special. And it just, it just came in. And I began to sing on the wings of a snow white dove. And Brother Logan, Brother Ken Boy, your son was sitting about where you are. And I said, only God could orchestrate this. He had sat in the back of the building for the other services. I said, come, Brother Logan. Come and let's sing this together on the wings of a snow white dove. We have a covenant with God. And it was as though the dove of the Holy Spirit just come and just fluttered his wings in the building. And we just know that he's here. That same God is here. God is Brother Ken's healer. He's his healer. And, and I, I'm so thankful as, as, as Brother Busco stood and greeted me just a moment ago. And God's his healer. And the music continues to sound. Two years ago, today, Brother Michael Andes had one of those experiences where Satan tried to destroy his life today. We celebrate life today, Brother Michael. We celebrate life, and we're so thrilled. We heard you the other morning and, or the other evening, and we were so thrilled that what God is doing, and maybe we can share something tomorrow for a 10th year anniversary. That would be wonderful. I hope I don't get in trouble, but I invited Brother Michael Ray to sit on the platform tonight. Last year, last year something very supernatural happened. And I have been thrilled to watch the progress of what God is doing. I've heard every, I, talk, I shared with him just a moment ago, Brother Bisco. I've listened to every word he said from the pulpit. And I shout 3,000 miles away. I am thrilled. Amen. I am thrilled. I just told him something he already knowed. And so we're just thrilled. God, God's a great God. He's just a great God. Maybe you have a need tonight that you'd just like to say, Brother Ron. I'd like to reach out.
touch him tonight. I walked to the pulpit tonight with not one, but two brother-in-laws laying in the hospital with heart conditions. And as I walked out of the room this evening, I reminded the devil that he is a defeated enemy. And we are disputing with a conquered devil. And so I would like for you to take not only Brother Ken Boyer on your prayer, but Brother Thomas Frazier and also Brother Harold Shiflett. And both with heart issues this afternoon. But I don't feel discouraged or defeated here. I feel like God is getting ready to do some real work. Amen. Would you agree with me this evening tonight that I would like for you to just reach out and touch him now. Our prophet has taught us a few principles. We get what we expect. If you come to criticize, you'll see something tonight that you'll be critical of. But if you come to see Jesus beyond the realm of mortality, I believe that you'll see him. Because you see that we've invited him to come. And he has came. We're already aware of his presence. Now let's just talk to him just now. And I'd like for you to call your need before the Lord, your personal need, and touch the hem of a garment just now. Let's talk to him. Almighty God, we bow our heads before you now. And we sense the presence of the Lord as, as you're here. Now, Satan has bombarded and tried to attack in a lot of different directions. But we stand here by the authority and the commission of the word of the Lord. And we remind the devil that he has no, barrow, no arrows for his bow. And he doesn't even have a key to his own gate. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, you're a living God, not a historical God, but you're an I am God. And you're the one that gathered this meeting and drawed these people. And it's not even an accident of where we're sitting in the building, Father. Lord, when men would line up chairs and place chairs, you knew who would sit in those chairs. You knew exactly where people would be sitting at tonight, Father. Lord, you know our need before we even call. But you ask us to call and you will answer. Oh, Father, just now, I ask you that you would anoint the gift of, as a speaker, Father. Anoint my vocal cords this evening. Lord, may you bring this body strength this afternoon, Father. Now I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint this audience. Satan, we, we charge you in the name of Jesus Christ. Take your hands off of God's children. Brother Branham would use the term God's property. In the name of Jesus Christ. He's nothing but a squatter anyway. And we rebuke him right now. And we send your word to Ken Boyer and Sister Shelley tonight, Father. Lord, Brother Thomas Frazier and Brother Harold. Lord, we believe your word. You're a supernatural God tonight. 
And we invite you to come by our way. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen and amen and amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe he's here. Amen. I'd like for us to look to St. John chapter 11 this afternoon in verse 32. If you could help me tonight, I'd like to speak to you on roll away the stone. Hallelujah. St. John chapter 11 and verse 32. Then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews, and also weeping which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused even this man that should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave. And a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away this stone, the stone. And Martha the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he had been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, and if thou wouldest believe that thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound a hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. You may be seated this evening. tormenting it must be in the kingdom of hell 
to hear those scriptures read over and over again. And how that he might even think that if I was a politically correct speaker, that I would get to the point and avoid some of the verses. And just announce the text and move forward. How difficult it must be that all of the circumstances of humanity is presented to us this day. Here are believers in Jesus Christ. Message believers. Modern day message believers of that day. People that had recognized more than a man that was standing among them. They had recognized that he was a resurrection in the life. Why Brother Branham would bring to our attention that it was Lazarus that had taken Jesus to John's baptism. So Lazarus had saw some incredible things in Jesus' ministry. No doubt this had been a home to which when Jesus was weary that he would go by and spend days with him. We can find out that he had, he had been a friend. Why? When you're a friend, a friend of Jesus, it's always a good place to be at. I, I would like to think that just like Abraham, he was a, a friend of God. And I'd like to think that Brother Branham said that to be a friend, uh, God had to have confidence in you. And, and he has confidence in the seed that he placed on the inside of you. And so Jesus enjoyed Lazarus' company. He enjoyed Mary and Martha, their home, and their situation of life there. He enjoyed them. I want you to understand sometimes our circumstances seem to consume us. They seem to overwhelm our humanity. We look at the seen realm so many times, and it, if we're not careful, it'll override our faith if we're not, not attentive to it. We'll begin to get worn, and because of our energies begin to run dry, we'll begin to question certain things or try to place prophecy in the wrong spot, or, or we'll begin to wonder why this and why that. Lazarus begins to get a little bit weary and sick. They notice the sickness that is coming on him. This sickness is just not a common sickness. They, they see that this is beyond anything that they've seen happen. And they send word. There's a meeting that's going. And they send word to where Jesus is at. Your friend Lazarus is sick. And Jesus does not deter from his mission or his plan. Now, no doubt some of his disciples thought, what's he going to do about that? Then he gets word again, Lazarus is sick. And he even plans and goes a different direction. They question earlier in the scriptures. Can you imagine the critics of that day? Can you imagine the blogs of that day? Can you imagine if we, he'd have had media in that day? Of what they would have begun to scream out by text and email and 
Why, if Jesus was the friend, if he was so close to Lazarus, look, he can't even maintain a, a close relationship. And when the man really had needed help, he didn't go to where he was at. Are you with me now? And Jesus made his way in a complete different direction. You see, God's got a plan. And it's just like the resurrection, the rapture. It's right on time. Are you with me? Don't get ahead of God. Don't get in a hurry with God. Are you with me? Men have proved when they get in a hurry, they produce the wrong kind of seed. Abraham got in a hurry and he produced an Ishmael. David got in a hurry and he murdered a man. Moses murdered a man. How many doctrines have been raised in this message by men that got in a hurry? Whoops. Jesus made his way. And as he makes his way, no doubt back at the house, now he's slipping away. He's slipping away to another dimension. He's slipping away. Their hope that Jesus would come is now deteriorating. And Lazarus begins to slip into another dimension. And he begins to lift into another realm. And it seems like all hope is lost now. Death in the Old Testament was an insurmountable door. Job would ask about it. What death was like. Are you with me now? Since Adam, death had reigned. It was a terror. It was a vicious, seemingly dark Unimaginable thing that would happen to which that this life is o'er and, and, and there would be a seal somewhere standing in a great gulf. To this point, you can only believe in a resurrection. You can only hope for a resurrection. But to this point, no one had paid the price to get to that resurrection. They had a promise in Genesis chapter 3, that there would be a resurrection. They had promises through the Scriptures, like Ezekiel that would say, Son of man, can these bones live again? And the breath of God began to breathe across the house of Israel and raise it back up. I want you to understand, it was by revelation that you could believe in a resurrection. Jesus turns to his disciples now and, and begins to make his way back. Word comes, he's dead. And Jesus begins to make an interesting statement. He's sleeping. And I must go awake him. You see those disciples that had seen incredible miracles happen. I just have to tell you, you and I seen some incredible things happen. 
But I, I, I just have to say now, Brother Branham begins to talk about even some small things. Said Peter, he was a fisherman. And being a fisherman, every time they got around the water, he would put his hook in the water. You find that in the scripture anywhere? <laughs> Brother Branham began to bear out. He said they talked about taxes. Had to go pay their taxes. And Jesus turns around to Peter and he said, you have a hook. <laughs> you have a hook. <laughs> and, he, and he tells him, he said, go down to a certain place and you're going to catch a fish. And you're not just going to catch a fish, but in his mouth. In his mouth, there's enough money to pay the taxes. I've been on a couple guided trips. I've never had that kind of a guide. Brother Glenn, you want to take me on a fishing trip one day? By God's grace, we'll give you that opportunity. You heard that from the pulpit. But I can guarantee you, no matter how good the guide would be, no guide can guarantee catching a fish. First of all, catching the fish. Second of all, open his mouth and there's enough money to pay the taxes. Are you with me now? So many times we want to so reason things together and put, put science and put all kind of physics and all kind of laws and all kind of legalism. Figure that one out. Just figure that one out. Figure out just the small things that happen. There's a boy comes to school and he's got a he's got a lunch with him and everybody's hungry. There's no motels, there's no restaurants, there's no WalMarts. And Jesus said, "Bring a little fellow up here." He said, "What do we have amongst us?" And a little guy comes with some fish and and a few loaves. And Brother Adam even says, "You skip school." And Jesus takes. This bread and this fish, and he blesses it. This was more than a man. This was more than a man that blessed that fish and blessed that bread. Those men took their hands and began to pass it out. They read the scriptures about a mill barrel that never run dry. They could read the scriptures and what the prophet says about a about a, a prophet that said, Give me a double portion. And he was still lacking one miracle, and they buried him in a tomb. And they throwed a dead soldier in on top of him. And God had made that man a promise. And he brought that dead soldier to life. God is a, is a confirmer of his word. He's that same God tonight. Hallelujah. They saw some incredible things. 
but maybe even in their mind would be kind of like what's in this audience. Sometimes we don't get what we expect. Have you ever got disappointed? You ever got disappointed? I, I want this to this part to be very sobering. You ever got disappointed? You prayed and asked a prayer to God, and it didn't happen. And you even you even had prophetic word that said it's going to come to pass. I've got scripture for that. God Himself came to a man after he had believed God for now 25 years. And he even told the testimony that I'm going to have a son. And he took God at his word. Brother Branham, he challenged us on that just a little bit. You want to get patient with God? He said, try 25 years. Are you with me? Let me just say, when God says something's going to happen, you can bank on it. You can absolutely bank on it. And don't even try to figure out how God's going to do business. He's going to do business. Don't analyze it. Don't try to put the hat in the wrong place. Are you with me? He said there'd be an animal with 42 inch horns. And I believe it. Your pastor was a part of it. And we still believe it today. The Word said there's going to be a rapture. And I believe it. That there will be a physical corporal return of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to take a step, half a step that way. And our resurrected saints are going to take a half a step this way. And we're going to meet right here. And go to meet the Lord in the air. That's our promise. That's what believers believe. Jesus arrives where, where they are at. And they begin to present some, some questions to him. Lord, if you'd have only been here, our brother would not have died. They were missing what God was getting ready to do. I want you to think sometimes we come to service, whether it's a Wednesday night or whenever it is. And sometimes we're sitting in the very thing that we need. And we're missing what God is wanting to do. If you'd have been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus told them that I am the resurrection and I am the life. They even said it correctly. The master is come. If I could say it tonight and just just talk to you. The master is here. The master is in the building right now. If you could reach out. 
The greatest brain doctor is in the building, Brother Menno. He's here. We've seen him do incredible miracles in our life. And he's here. He's the same God. Now, no doubt that those people that was around, they were there. And they had a lot of chatter. And in their chatter, they were chattering doubt and unbelief. Other Branham's talks about Jesus weeping. He said as a man he wept. He wept because of their unbelief. I have to be very honest with you. Sometimes I stand in, in my study and I weep because of people's unbelief. They got great needs. They've got great situations in their life. And they're standing in the right place. But they allow the enemy to rob them of their victory and their joy. I was with Brother Roy Shrewsbury one time and we had a phenomenal meeting. Brother Roy is now in his 90s and preaching. Every Sunday. He's quite a man. <laughs> I walked into the study with him and and he was just standing there weeping. He said, Brother Ron, he said, so many times I'm thrilled by who comes to the altar. He said, I'm just thrilled. He said, but what makes me weep is those that really need it. Sit right there and in a dry eye, they're not moved. Service after service after service, they just sit in the atmosphere. And they really miss what God is doing. Oh, to God, tonight I ask for the Holy Spirit to quicken our attention. Brother Branham will use the term, get desperate. Shake yourself and pinch your conscience. These meetings are not just to just come and gather a people just to see if we could have a meeting. Are you with me? There's big, huge congregations of phenomenal people gather great audiences. But it's God that has gathered you. From all realms of the earth, He's gathered you. On this side of the resurrection gathered you to give you a charge of the dynamics of His Spirit. Don't miss what God wants to do. How many times do we hear our prophet go, don't miss it. Don't miss it now. Don't miss it now. Actually leaving a patient. That's in the audience. Actually calling him out and talking to him. Going to another patient. And then go back to that man. And say, don't miss it. Are you with me? Now listen, that same God's here tonight. But he might not use me in the same way. But I want to say this to you. Don't miss it. 
is what God wants to do for you in this meeting. You've driven an incredible amount away. Don't let the devil rob you. Don't let him rob you. Don't get your eyes on humanity. Don't get your eyes on who's here, who's not here. What celebrities in the building. I could care less about celebrities. You could put all the celebrities in the world in a bag. I wouldn't give you a nickel for them. I want God-filled sons and daughters of God that has a passion to serve God. Jesus wept. He wept. Now Jesus thanks God for their sake that he heard his prayer. Now Jesus could have rolled the stone. You know, tombs are called the final resting place. Tombs are the spot to where that we bury our dead. Tombs are the spot that we say goodbye in this realm. Tombs are a difficult place to visit. So they choose certain headstones for a certain purpose. To seal the tomb. And they roll that stone into place. And they seal it. It's seemingly sealed to the resurrection. In sealing it, it has purpose. Because that body is going to deteriorate. And it's going to go back to the ashes and the gases. They wrapped it and put perfumes in it. Not going into all of those things, but Lazarus' body began to deteriorate and go back to the dust which it came. Brother Branham would give us another scene. He said Lazarus had went to the realm where Abraham was at. And he said, there, they begin to fellowship. I can just imagine their conversations. As they begin to exchange stories. And Lazarus would tell Abraham and Isaac and Jacob what it was like to be with Jesus. And Abraham would say, I I met one like that. He had no beginning of days or ending of nights. And he knew my name. And he, and he came and said, and there was never a man like that man. And he spoke to me. Sarah, come listen. We're listening to the same kind of a man. And during the conversation, there's another conversation going on in another room. And Jesus asked His sisters, roll away the stone. Jesus could have spoke that stone away. The same way 
that He could speak your storm away. Are you with me now? The same way that He could just, just take your problems away in a moment's notice. But He asked those girls, Roll the stone. Roll the stone. Now, let me just say this to you. As long as it's your favorite preacher, anybody can amen. And it's your favorite quote. It's easy to amen. Your favorite singer, everybody can get in the right atmosphere. You've enjoyed dinner with Jesus. You've enjoyed miracles with Jesus. You've enjoyed the parables with Jesus. You've enjoyed incredible, phenomenal times with Jesus. But now He's just asked you to identify yourself with Him. Because now all of those mourners that have been such sympathetic with you are going to watch you participate. They're going to watch you take personal responsibility. Now you've got responsibility with Him. Now you're going beyond the human element to believe. You're challenged to believe. How many squirrels do you want? And when he's walking away after the second one, he said, you asked for three. How many times have you asked God for things? And you're challenged to believe. You're challenged to confess. And step out of the realm of faith. And take God at his word. To take the book and eat the book. And identify that I'm a part of this message. Everybody can enjoy the burden until it's theirs. I can hear the critic go, ha, look at him. He's going to let women... Move that stone. He could have asked his disciples. He could have asked Peter. Strong man. Well, he could have put his hands on it. Roll away the stone. You see... That was as great a miracle as Lazarus is coming for. It's when they actually put their hands on it. You see, once you put your hands on it, you're part of it. You won't get many critics standing off to the side. Everybody can be a Monday morning quarterback. You know, if I was a pastor, I'd do it this way. You know, if I was running the show, I'd do it this way. If I was making a call, I'd do it this way. 
So we stand in audiences, just like Jesus was standing there. And they put their hands on the stone. Lord, by now he stinketh. (laughs) Notice where they said he stinketh when they put their hands on it. Because now they knew something was getting ready to happen. Have you read the doctor's report? step back. Now, Brother Branham said that Jesus called him by name. You know, I marvel I'm preaching something so simple to such a vast crowd because the Lord put it on my heart to preach this tonight. But I feel like I'm standing in front of some tombs. Some dead in sin. Trapped. And even sitting amongst meetings like this, the enemy's held you. And life hasn't been breathed to you. You see, sin brings death. It doesn't look like death, but it brings death. It takes you somewhere. Sin we can attribute it to. Many different things, but it's really unbelief. And I wonder sometimes how many times we even sit in our, in our, our assemblies. And unbelief fills our heart. We can believe it for others, but what about ourselves? We can believe it for others and we, we just wonder what in the world's going on. Maybe things have got us trapped. I understand about a coma. And I share this with you. I understand about a coma. A coma is a person that's alive. And very much alive. And in many cases, very much aware. But the body is trapped and it can't move. It can't respond. But the senses are very much aware. It can hear. It can understand. It can comprehend. I told Sister Connie conversations that people came in the room and had with her. There were people that told Sister Connie, you're young enough. You're young enough when Brother Ron dies, you can marry again. Their hearts were filled with unbelief. We, you can smile at that, but listen, that's a pitiful story. Instead of taking God at His Word. And Brother Adam said, never think a negative thought. Instead of burying me, pray for me. Are you with me now? I'm going to challenge you tonight. Instead of, instead of looking at the negative side, take God at His Word and believe God. 
It's easy to just dismiss what Brother Branham's off to the scene and God don't do those things anymore. God's still very much alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if there ever was a group of people that ought to believe in God and the miracle working of God, it ought to be the bride of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's the music. I was I was in prayer the other day. And maybe this will be this will be kind of eye opening for you because it was for me. I was in prayer about suicide, spirits. How those things want to come amongst our young people to steal their life and to tell them they're not worthy. Just literally try to end their lives and it's not worth living no more. After much prayer, God spoke in my heart. It's the music. It's the music from the realm of hell. It's the music that echoes, whether it be country or whether it be rock or whether it be some kind of a rap or some kind of crazy music calling out from a dark dimension. Destroying marriages and destroying homes and destroying lives. Are you with me now? That music begins to call out to that dark realm. We're not careful, we'll find ourselves in the tombs of movies. We're not careful, we'll find ourselves in the tombs of denomination and before long settling for something less than what we've got and listening to another voice, a voice that is contaminated. Are you with me now? Listen, when you've got a pure voice to listen to and you've got God called fivefold ministry to hear preach, we have no shortage of phenomenal speaking in this world that have been, been dipped in the oil and have ate the book and preached the word with purity. Are you with me? Why should our eyes toward, turn toward systems that have let down the bars and ate from the filth of Laodicea? Knowing that one word wrong separates us from fellowship with God. That'll cause you to go into a tomb. Maybe your marriage is in a tomb. This is a family camp. I hope this is all right. I feel led, and so here we are. I'm sure Dr. Dobson was a good man. But we don't need psychology to fix our marriage.
amen, should have been better than that. You don't need to go to Barnes and Noble to get a, a, a book, Marriage for Dummies. I'll tell you, your marriage should have a, a prayer life in it. You should never get too busy to have a prayer life going on in your home. Are you with me now? That altar should be a home that's got an altar in it. A prayer life that is going on in that home. That that home can be a sanctuary. Whether it's a tent or a castle, it should be a sanctuary where Almighty God dwells at. Are you with me? It should not be a home of fussing and fighting and arguing over a dollar. Our best friend should be our wife or our husband. That's who our best friend should be. Are you with me? But I'm afraid too many marriages have been killed by entertainment. Or the drive for money. And their marriages have been murdered. I have a table that seats 18 at my home. It was made by the Amish. It's maple. It was cheap. That's why I bought it. It's a nice table. Eighteen chairs. Many people come to my table and sit and look, and my family's all around, and they go, What a wonderful family. It's not an accident. It's not an accident I have a wonderful family. I dedicated my family to the Lord. We dedicated our family to the Lord. I refuse to give one. I'm not going to negotiate and say, well, I'll give you this one and I'll take this one. I'll give you this one and I'll take this one. Come on, it's not negotiable. I want every one of them. So I come against that spirit of hell. We had something very supernatural happen in our home. Is this okay? So many. I've had people say, you shouldn't tell personal stories. Well, you tell me what I can tell if I can't tell personal stories. The same person that told me that, I went back and listened to their tape. Of what they just told. They don't live up to their own word. God's a personal God. Brother Temperate's granddaughter's here. I don't know where she's at. I can't find her. Thank you. 
She's a short girl. I like short people. I hope that doesn't add to your complex. But Adriana, you can remember the night that there was a prayer line at your granddaddy's meeting. We actually sat in the back and and we actually talked about we present this service to the Lord. You see, your I, I guess it would be your cousin, Drew, that had received the miracle of I saw a vision that Drew would walk. And he didn't walk immediately. Many of you know the story, but I'm not going to take the time. But it would be some time later that Drew, who had been born with a debilitating bone situation, that Sister Karen Pruitt had had a brain bleed, and and God spared her life, and and she was sitting, and she was kind of kind of had the blues about not being able to do all the things that she used to do and not be able to feel as good as she used to feel. and You know, sometimes she just felt trapped in her body of what it was like. I know what it is to feel kind of trapped in your body and would like for it to do better and like for it to do more, like to have more energy or like to be able to do this or that. And she, something just come on her and she began to worship the Lord and and the presence of God dropped in the room and Drew was at her feet. And when the presence of God came and healed her, it also healed that baby. And Drew began to run all over the room and she began to worship the Lord. I came to that meeting that night. Brother Kim, I, I walked to the pulpit like I've walked to this pulpit. And I asked, where's Drew at? And Drew was in the bed. They put him to bed, and I said, could you go get him? And they brought him in pajamas, I think. I don't know if you remember the color. Do you remember the color? Maybe orange. I like orange pajamas, too. And I took Drew out of his arms, and... You thought about a miracle. He came to me. And I began to tell that audience, we're going to have a prayer line here in a few minutes. I don't know what God's going to do in this meeting, but He's here. And I took Drew and I began to walk him across the stage, backwards and forwards. And I said, some of you are going to walk in these same steps that this little boy used to not be able to walk. But he's walking across... And we walk backwards and forwards. Can I share with you just a few events that happened that night? Is that all right? How many knows the story of Mariah? Mariah had a disease. And it was a disease that had taken the hair off of her body. Alopecia, alopecia, I'm from Virginia. Alopecia, 
And her hair was leaving her body. Brother Tim had prayed for him months before. She came to that prayer line. She only had a strand. Now she's wearing a, a knit toboggan. Nice hat. And she's wearing that. But she comes with bobby pins. How many knows what bobby pins are? She comes with bobby pins into that prayer line. And she's carrying them. I believe after tonight I'm going to need these bobby pins. I want you to know that tonight her hair is thick and long and beautiful. We saw one miracle after another take place that night. I begin to weary. Brother Wendell Martin's wife, her name, Jessica. Thank you for all your help. Like Brother Branham said, I didn't know all of you were from Kentucky. She walks across the stage. Amongst the other hundreds. I felt the Spirit of the Lord speak to her. I give you your son. I don't know even right now where he was at, but he was way out in sin and it seemed hopeless. You're talking about calling out of a grave. Are you with me? That boy is now a believer. That boy's married. It was God that called him out of the grave that night. I stepped off of the stage a bit later, very weary, and fell into the arms of Brother Tim Winters who carried me. And Brother Aaron Oglesby and Andrew that's sitting behind me on the stage would carry me to the room. And he can confirm all of these things. And as they carry me into the room where I was at, I turn to Brother Aaron Oglesby. And I tell him, you'll never be the same from this night forward. And here's the reason I have you on the stage, Brother Michael. It was a night like your night. And Brother Aaron Oglesby, he's a big boy. I don't know. Everybody over six foot tall is giants to me. <laughs> Brother Aaron, I said, God's called you to preach the gospel, to carry the greatest message that there's ever been on the foundation of the world. I began to pray with him, and he laid back against the wall, and he began to worship, and he went back to the meeting, and he was all over the place. I'm to, today's different. Today's different. I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. You can go listen to it. It wasn't a man called him. It wasn't a man's anointing that called that boy. But he's a powerhouse. Because we've got the greatest message that there's ever been on the face of the earth. Scream it from the echoes of your heart. 
scream it. Maybe your job's not to be a preacher. Maybe your job's to be a singer. Your job's to be an amen. Just do the job that God's give you to do. These things are true that I'm telling you. As I lay back on the bed, I saw a vision of a little boy in our family. And I said, Andrew, we're going to have a little boy. He said, not me, Daddy. (laughs) Sister Connie comes in the room. She began to rejoice. My daughter couldn't have children. My son-in-law had been crushed in an accident. She in her own womb couldn't carry a child. My son-in-law had been crushed in an accident. His shoulder was crushed. His ribs were crushed. His Pelvis was crushed, and I heard the doctor say, it's crushed worse than any other man that I've ever put back together. He said, but we'll put them back together, and God will do the healing. My son-in-law's back to work now. He's quite an avid hunter. He's back to hunting. It was in August. They came through a prayer line at our own church. I think one of maybe two that we've had in our own assembly. Quite on that order. And she came down through the prayer line holding Davy's hand. And I said, Whitney, tonight's the night. God's going to give you that baby that you've been desiring. The sister that was behind her, Brother Ed. Her and her husband had their hands a hold. Only God can do these things. Anything else is just hopes. It's more than reading somebody's spirit. More than some convenient situation. This ain't some denomination trying to work a gift up or manufacture. You don't have to manufacture for Jesus. And I told her, I said, the same angel of the Lord is visiting your house now. You can't make this up. They went to the baby doctor on the same day at the very same time. And they walked in the office together and said, Oh, you're pregnant? (laughs) And one of them said to the other, We were in the same prayer line. You're either standing on one side or you're standing on the other. You're either enjoying the miracles or you're standing and doubting. You didn't realize that even those personal stories were a trap to you. But you don't have to stay there. 
You don't have to stay there. You can believe for your own situation. What about your lost children? What about your lost brothers and sisters? What about your backslidden condition? What about your life that's been stripped? So many times we can put quotes together, but we can't believe for the supernatural. We want sermons preached on the seventh seal. When I'm standing here preaching third pull to you. You don't need a label. You don't need a label. So many times we want to give somebody a book and give them an intellectual ability. If I can intellectually give you something, Satan will come along and give you an intellectual something stronger. But if you receive Jesus Christ, if you receive this by revelation, and you put your hands on the rock yourself, come on, your computer can quote this message. Your computer, your phone can quote this message, but it can't live it. Come on, church. Your computer can do all of those things. It's good to have pictures. It's good to have tapes. It's good to have books. But this message wants to live in your life. Son of man, can these bones live again? So I'm prophesying to you tonight. Let it live. You know what the interesting thing is? That God not only showed me the vision, but He gave him, gave me His name. Isaac Jackson. And I never did tell Whitney or Davy what God showed me. But I wrote it down. That's not a great big thing. Don't, don't even think that's a great big thing. God wrote your name. <laughs> right here. Right here is, what do you call that? Is there a nurse here? Ultrasound picture. I knew you had to be here. It's an ultrasound picture. I carried it in my Bible of Isaac. I do it for a reason. Man saw him before he was born. God saw him. Like he saw you before the foundation of the world. Were you surprised it was a boy? No. At the gender reveal party, I didn't even fill out a thing. I thought it would be unfair. What do you think his name would be? I didn't fill it out. I thought that would be unfair. (laughs) 
I held him. I'm going to share something with you. I was writing the notes for that dedication service. And I was writing down everything that I just told you in my study. Sister Connie was doing her hair all the way on the other end of the house. She felt a wind like I felt when it came through the rooms. When I wrote down Jessica Martin, give you your son. I felt the wind come through the building. Oh, may that wind come through this building. There's a man sitting in our church that was died in our service. His name's Doug Hill. He died. We didn't get excited. We just walked over to him and laid our hands on him. Just what the word said. I don't know what God will do, but I know what God's able to do. We said a simple prayer. And I said, Brother Doug, stay with me. Come back to me. And he'd been gone now minutes now. And in just a minute, he sat up. He said, I'm here. I'm here. What was it like, Brother Ron? It was a phenomenal feeling. It's a very sobering feeling. The resurrected one was, was sitting now among us. He saw himself slipping away. God called him back. You see, Lazarus was in another realm. And he was talking about him. And all of a sudden he heard his name. Brother Branham said, had he not called him by name, he would have called a general resurrection. Are you with me? I go to Europe, Brother David. I was in Ireland not long ago, and I walked. I walked into where John Wesley or Columba spoke. And Columba had been the pastor of that church. And there's deacons that were buried that were there, and their names is almost gone from the stones. And I stood over top of those graves. I thought, hundreds and thousands of people have walked by these graves, and no doubt their bodies and their bones are gone. They're nothing but dust. But one of these mornings, you think those miracles that you just heard are phenomenal. But one of these mornings, He's going to call. And there's not a devil in hell can stop them from coming forward. Glory! There's a rapture coming. And devil, the devil has put every bit of unbelief that he could try to put on you. 
challenge you in your circumstances, challenge you in your situations. Put your hands on the stone tonight. Put your hands on the stone. Do you believe? We want to ask you, do you now believe? Because you're one part of the rapture. You happen to be the live and remain. Brother Biscoe, he talked to you personally about what that land is like. I don't mind saying it. Brother Ed Biscoe is one of my favorite preachers too. I take all of my money and put it in Put it in his account right now if he'd preach in the morning. <laughs> Brother Kim, I've heard him tell about how Brother Branham talked to him about that land. I set feet from him like you have. As he tells the stories of how Brother Brown talks about what it was like. You're his grandson. I asked for Sam. Sam's in the building. I asked Brother Sam today, I said, do you guys know who Ed Biscoll is? Is that okay? Does your children know who he is? Now I'm going to a real key right now. Do you know who he is? I wonder sometimes... While we've got an incredible gift among us, if we really appreciate the gift. I'm not out on a limb now. I've still got scripture on my side. You shake his hand with Walmart on your mind. Or where are you going to eat? I think sometimes we miss the moments. Brother Menno, you've been a pastor for many years. I wonder if people miss the gift that God put in your life. Brother Tom? Brother, on your way out on a limb. Really? Because people miss Jesus. They miss Jesus. They saw a not so good robe. Not Hollywood hair. Rugged skin. 
And they missed who he was. Can I finish this evening with these thoughts? In John chapter 12, there's a meeting like tonight. And Jesus is there. And Lazarus is there. This is mind-blowing to me. This is absolutely mind-blowing to me. That Jesus is in the building. And Lazarus, the one who was dead and now alive, he's in the building. And people came. And many were led to Jesus because of Lazarus. But there was people there that wanted to put Lazarus to death. Can you imagine? There was people that wanted to kill Lazarus. You know. You know he had to thought that was amusing. You know he had to thought, really? That's not so bad. I was just there a few days ago. I know where I'm going. That's the same as here tonight. That's the same as here tonight. The tombs have been opened. The stones have been rolled away. And some of you are alive, but there's others that like to put you back to death. Stupid devil! Stupid devil! Once you have tasted of life, you will no part of death. Once you've heard his voice, it settles every sin question in your life. Once you've been in his presence one time, you can look at the stone and it can be a memorial. It was a dungeon for me, but it became my best to do to walk into life. Let me finish this sermon the way that I started it. It must have been disappointed in hell. Every time you read John 11, it reminds the devil, we had him. Every time ministers read, Brother Brian talks about, oh, when, when Jesus came to, to Satan's kingdom, walked up to the gates and told him that he was a virgin-born son of God and his blood was still wet on the cross. 
And he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he stood there in Revelation chapter 1 and he said, I am he that was dead and I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I would like to ask you tonight to put your hands on your stone. By now, you stinketh. By now, you stink. But if you can just put your hands on the stone and give it a push, this camp meeting will never be the same. Sister Adriana came a long way. Put your hands on the stone. You got little hands. Put your little hands on the stone. Push by faith. Fighting things. Fighting things before you came here. Why don't you put your hands on it and say, You're not going to hold me bondage no more. What about your marriage? What about your marriage? What about your relationship of family? Satan's tried to steal your children away. Take them back. What about your brothers and your sisters that have tried to, that things seemingly are slipping away? Put your hands on the stone. Put your hands on the stone. And what seems insurmountable to move, Jesus is behind you. Your children might be saved. Call out somebody else's children. Your hands against the stone. I'm honest. I put my hands against the stone. For and I call some names before this service. I'm not going to make it that personal. But I refuse to let Satan run roughshod. Come on, church. Come on, church. I refuse. We're not some mamby-pamby little powerless church. We're the church of the living God. The sword is in your hand. Take God at His word tonight. You're the invincible army that God knew that was going to be here. Nobody else is coming. You're here. You've been challenged. How many gifts do you have to be shook in front of you that you come alive? Take God in His Word, Sister Ella. Take God in His Word. Believe God. Take Him out of His Word.
Sister Ann, take him at his word. Joanna, take him at his word. Jessica, Jonathan, I just called their names. Brother David, sorry to point your children out, but just use him as an example. Take him at his word. Caroline, no, it's already went on. Oh, Brother Ron, I'm expecting a prayer line. He's among you right now. And he's going wave after wave after wave after wave across you right now. Roll away the stone. Somebody will see me. It don't matter. Roll away the stone. Well, Brother Ron, somebody will make fun of me. Roll away the stone. Almighty God, I bow my head before you now. I have delivered the word that you have asked me to deliver. You are the resurrection and the life. You're the breath behind the voice. You're the anchor to our soul right now. We breathe across this audience. It's important that the tent went up and it's important that all the music is set right and it's important that all the helpers have did their part. It's important that the ministry are at their post of duty and the deacons are everywhere. But God, we didn't come to see one another. We didn't come to hear some poetic words. We come that you would come to our tomb. Of all of the tombs, you went to Lazarus' tomb. And you came to our spot tonight. You come to our home. You came to our situation as we sit and we listen to the Word. Backslidden habits, situation, unbelief, wrong kind of expectations. Looking at the wrong thing. I defy the armies of hell right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, you're a cruel taskmaster. And we rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. We refuse to be your slave another night, another day, another hour. I claim healing. I claim deliverance. I stand in Kim Boyer's place tonight and I claim deliverance for him in the name of Jesus Christ. There's hands went up all over this building tonight. You see their needs right now. 
You're a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You're the doctor that worked on Brother Ed Biscoe's heart. You arranged the doctors. You arranged the nurses. You arranged the place where it would happen. Knowing that you would be the healer. Knowing that you would raise him back up again. May you raise up young men and young women by the power of the resurrection tonight. Death can't hold them. The grave can't hold them tonight. Sin can't hold them. Bondages of hell can't hold them. At the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, take your hands off of God's property right here this evening. In Jesus Christ's name. House of hell, give way. In the name of Jesus Christ. Worship him now. Worship him now. Roll away the stone now. Let him come by your way now. This is your opportunity. This is your moment now. I claim sons and daughters tonight. I claim brothers and sisters tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. May families be restored. May there come a revival in our lives like never before. With a passion in our life to serve God like never before. In Jesus Christ's name. Won't you worship him while he's here? The moment to worship him is while he's here. Won't you let him come to your home? Won't you let him change your life? It don't take long in the presence of God.
have to do. If it's come to the altar, whatever you have to do, just raise your hands before Him. He's right there where you're at. Get desperate before God. Don't let the Jesus of this day weep for your unbelief. Don't let Him weep for your unbelief tonight. this way. I say it in the name of the Lord. He's here. He's here among you. The angel of the Lord is among you. The ark of the covenant is among you. The mighty angels in this building right now. He's here for your need. Pour your heart out to him right now. You know where your backslidden. 
It's not where you used to be. It's where you are right tonight. It's not what you used to do or what your hands have done. It's where your revival's at right here tonight.
many roll the stone back? How many put your hands in the stone? You can, you can confess it. I think when they put their hands in the stone, there was a little bit of emotion that came with that. There was something that said, He's the resurrection and the life. He's the one that spoke life. And Lazarus came. I'm sure there was a little bit of happiness. A little bit of joy. A little bit of worship. And it wasn't something that had to be told. They saw the dead raised up again. They loved Lazarus. That was their brother. And I love you. And I got a little bit of joy tonight. Because Jesus spoke to you. And told you to roll back the stone. And you lifted up your hand and said, I rolled my stone away. Oh, I wonder whether you could praise him. I wonder what Mary did. I wonder what Martha did. I wonder what they did. I wonder what kind of meeting they had at, the, at that day. I wonder what kind of was not looking at the preacher. They weren't looking at the people around the room. They were looking to the Lamb of God. They are looking to life himself. He spoke the word. And by him speaking the word, I got life. I got my brother back. Look around the room. I got my sister back. Look around the room. I, I got my brother back. I got my daddy back. I got my mommy back. Praise the Lord. Why? Because the resurrection has come by your way. Brother Brown said that's what this message was all about. The resurrection came by your address. And you received it this evening. I just want to give him all the glory. Is he the worthy lamb, David? Is he the worthy lamb? He's worthy of all praise and glory. Worthy, 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 worthy the lamb. Oh, worthy, so worthy, worthy the Lamb that was slain. He's worthy,
of God said roll your stone away put your hand to that stone in your own heart you know exactly what you rolled away by the word of God and there should be something welling up within your heart Lord how wonderful it was to be in your presence tonight not because the minister got excited but there's something that's now beating in my soul and this is a reality I'm free tonight by the word of God I'm free by the words I heard this morning last night day before I'm, I'm free by the word that has been spoken and there's a joy unspeakable and full of glory that is now welling up within my heart I wonder if we rolled back the stone for these for these young ladies saying I'm not I'm not now chained down to fashion that has bound you so much young men so influenced by Hollywood haircuts 
and all these things that try and entrap us to take away our joy. And all of a sudden we become imprisoned in some sort of tomb that was man-made. But I believe that Jesus came by. Jesus spoke the word of God and rolled back your stone. And now life is coming forth within your own heart. It's not just the deacon or the elder, young people. But something's happened very deep within my heart. You must make your confession. Say, my stone's been rolled back. The tomb's empty. And he's alive within my heart. Can you say that? He's alive. He's alive in my heart. Let's bow our heads. Bow our heads. And if you want to give him a Thanksgiving offering from your heart, you speak to him now. You speak to him. You speak to him as he's a father. You speak to him with your lips and say, Father, thank you for coming and speaking to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you can thank him from your heart. I'm going to give you some time that you can thank him. Because just in a few more minutes, we're just going to be out of the, maybe this little gathering out of this presence. But Jesus is passing by your way. Maybe you just want to thank him from the depths of your soul and say, I'm not, I'm not going to rob him. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to rob him of my thanksgiving. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to worship him. The very great secret, young people, that we need to learn is he loves to hear. Thank you, Father. Lord, I love you. You're the worthy one. I bless your holy name. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. Nods are wonderful, but he loves to hear your voice. He loves to dwell amongst the praise, and the praise is just a thanksgiving from your heart. Heavenly Father, how can we say thanks for the things that you have done for us? Service after service after service. Tonight, Lord, very special, because, Lord, the word went out, and as the scripture says, it healed the people. Heal your people tonight, Lord. As they've opened up their hearts and opened up their lips of praise and thanksgiving, it only takes a moment in your presence, Lord. How often your prophet said, just go rejoicing, just go rejoicing. And they went rejoicing. And Jesus said, just go believing, go rejoicing. And so, Lord, we want to rejoice tonight. That the word of God has been anchored deep within our hearts. God, make it a reality. Make it a substance faith. 
Lord Jesus, that it's not just emotion in some tent meeting, but God, there's something deep within that says, I know Jesus came by my way. I know Satan has been bound. I know he's been loosed. And now I'm rejoicing in your goodness, Lord. Bless these precious young people. So much word has been given. So much has been shaken before them. Lord, may they learn to respond with an open heart, with a heart of thanksgiving. We will linger, Lord, in your presence. And as those will go their way, would you watch over them on the road? Know, Lord, that tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, there will be another service. It will be our last service, but it will be a service where we can rejoice in the goodness of your greatness and of your love and of your mercy. Would you strengthen your servant tonight? He's poured out much. Would you pour back abundantly? Strengthen him, Lord. Father God, bring us back if there is a tomorrow. Bring us back, Lord, rejoicing with a heart of thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. Once my heart and soul was fettered. Once my heart and soul shake one another's hand and why don't you say the stone's been rolled away
God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God be with you.